Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Well, once again, we are about to throw you another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast, and this is a bonus episode. This is going to be part two of Women in the Outdoors, where I got to sit down with Amy Hartwig, April Cooper, and Chrissy Haynox and catch up, talk about hunting and kids and family and harvest and all kinds of fun stuff. So this is going to be part two. You're about to hear Amy Hartwig and April Cooper's bull stories from this year. They ended up meeting, which is so funny now that I think about it, because both of these ladies were friends of mine. We all live in a very, very close community. And I didn't know that these two did not know each other. So we end up hearing from them. They met at Amy's garage sale this year. April and her family showed up and they instantly hit it off. And some of the stories they told in that moment when they first met were just hilarious. Apparently one of April's son sees a bull mount or, or deer mount or something in Amy's house and he walks right in and they just all hit it off. And it was, it was so funny hearing how they actually met. And I didn't even know that story until we sat down to record this. So it's pretty cool to listen to them. We start with April's story um, April and Amy's story here, and they just get to kind of unfold how it all went down. And Amy had been trying for years to kill a bull. And, um, you know, as a newer archer back then, when she first started, it was just, she never could put all the pieces together. So it was really cool to hear about her first bull. And then, um, we get right into April's story, which was quickly thereafter, Amy's bull went down. They got right on to another herd and April was able to just zero in on her. She is a a very skilled long range shooter. And it was kind of fun just to hear how it all went down and what they had to do to make that happen. And when we sat down the other night to record this, it was cool because, um, as you know, I've worked with Maven optics for quite a while. Absolutely love their glass, the quality cost. I mean, everything about their product is superior in my eyes. And, um, April actually runs Mavens as well. And she said, you know, what's really cool is I would have never even spotted or been able to identify that he was a bull had I not had these high quality optics this year. So she was definitely bragging on them, which is awesome. And I've heard that story so many times, but it's always cool to be able to make the difference in having good gear, having good glass and being able to identify and really pick out what you're there for. So it was really cool to hear about that. So jump right in with us. First, we're going to hear from Amy and then from April. So we should get into your Isis Oak story. Okay. So you and April, so Amy and April went over this year here in Oregon, had a tag together. And I want to kind of just like back up a little bit because I know that we were talking earlier in this year. We met up a couple times and had lunch and got Mm -hmm. coffee and You've said to me, Courtney, I just have to get this monkey off my back. I've been working at it with my bow. I've put in the time. I just need to make this happen. And you certainly did that this year. I did. And I mean, to say it was a a struggle for me would be an absolute understatement. Um, I have been fortunate enough to be along on some incredible elk hunts with my bow over the last five years. And, um... I mean, I wouldn't trade it any of it for the world, but 
it was the one animal that I put the most time in and could not put an arrow through. Now, my husband laughs because, like, he's like, you had so many opportunities to shoot a bull, but, like, I would draw back, and it was, like, the very first elk season of my life. I'd been mm-hmm. I'd been shooting a bow for six months, and I, I didn't have my rangefinder. So I looked at the elk, and I was like, is it 25? Is it 35? Is it 45? I don't know. So I just let down. And he's, and meanwhile, he's behind me going, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And I'm like, I am not letting go of this arrow because I don't know where it's going. I don't know what the range is. And I just, I never wanted, I like, I had made a decision early on that like, I have far too much respect for animals to let an arrow go without absolute 100% certainty that I felt good about the shot. Mm-hmm. And so that carried me through like five elk seasons. Where, like, I mean, I had been to full draw on, like, a 380-inch bull, and I just didn't have the shot, so I didn't let the arrow fly. And so, coming into this season, we had met Tim and April at my garage sale, (laughs) (laughs) and her youngest son wanted to buy our, like, smoker smoker that almost almost ended up burning their house down. But we were like, it was, it was literally like the scene from Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? Like, we just, our families just meshed, and we, we talked about elk hunting, and I had, like, points that, to burn, like, six points, and I was like, well, I don't even know what to do with this. I didn't want to keep them, because it's like, I didn't want to wait 20 years to have an opportunity at an elk, so... We talked about it and was like, is it going to be Amy and April? Is it going to be the boys? Or how are we going to split up these points? And the boys all decided that it was going to be the girls that hunted. (laughs) And so I can literally say, like, for six months leading up to this hunt, like, it was, the like, one thing that I thought about every single day. Like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. So we go on this hunt and we scouted for two days, like, or a day and a half before and we had four different groups of elk scouted the night before yeah so we were like oh which group are we gonna go after and it was actually I mean it seemed like not a bad problem to have but it actually was terrible because we're like there's so much planning and what if things go wrong and what if there's pressure here and you know what's going to be our best opportunity and I don't know we we kind of stood on it for like hours and finally like eight hours yeah we did it was like the last night before bed and they're like we got to get up in a few hours I'm like okay I know where we're going (laughs) so so Tim and April have hunted here quite a bit this area that we were hunting in and so I just kind of took a step back and Mm -hmm. I was like I'm just gonna let them like figure it out because I'm not picky like my decision at this point was I've never shot an elk the first branch bull that gives me an opportunity I'm in so we decide the night before that we spotted a group that was less likely to be pressured by other people. The ones we had seen much bigger bowls that would take a lot like more effort to get into, but our fear was that they would be bumped out early because there was like they were showing themselves to oh yeah, God and everybody. God and everybody like sunning themselves on a on a bright open and <laughs> so, so as tempting as it was. As tempting as it was. <laughs> We decided to go in after, like, the bulls that Tim had said was an 80% chance. And only 80% because it's elk hunting. Anything can go wrong. Yeah. (laughs) So, April's like, early bird gets the worm. (laughs) 
we were out at like 3.20. Yeah, we got up at 2, and um, we were spoiled. We had like wonderful breakfast, hot, like I don't remember what she made us, but our camp cook made us breakfast that morning, and yeah, we ha- I think we were hiking by like 3.20. Mm-hmm. So we did what, it was like, I don't four, know. Four and a half miles. But we kind of broke it to, up into chunks. To the saddle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we really, the reason we left so early was not because it was going to take that long to hike in there. We just needed to be out there first. So we'd hike for a mile. <laughs> My husband would stop and we'd build a fire and we'd sit there. And then we'd let the fire die out, hike for a little bit more. I don't know how many times we stopped and built a fire, like maybe two or three. Yeah. The whole time, we actually followed wolf tracks the whole way out there. Um, so that was not and encouraging. some elk tracks. Some elk tracks kind of go in every direction, but it had snowed. So there was like, mm. oh, I don't know, three inches of snow most of the way out there. And it's really odd when it's that dark and you're going in with like trekking poles and like minimal light. Time passes in such a odd like spectrum. Like it was like... And it was, we were out there for hours, but it didn't feel like hours. Like, all yeah. you could just think was, like, just walk. Just marching. Just marching. Yeah. And it was beautiful. We had, sky, you know, stars in the sky. It could not have been. You got a an astronomy morning. lesson. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Amy is like, oh, look, there's Orion's belt. And I'm like, well, I, I think I know the Big Dipper. <laughs> she kind of rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know Orion? He's the archer. She's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So we we hiked, and uh, we finally got to the the last point where Tim was like, all right, I want to stop here. Uh, I haven't headed this ridge at all, so it was totally going off of Tim's experience. And and he's like, if we stop here, sometimes we bump elk kind of in the saddle, you know, below us. And so we stopped and built a fire and really just waited for daylight at that point. And uh, daylight came. It was about 7.30. Yeah. And we decided, basically we had about a mile farther to go to get to the elk that we had spotted at last light, yet, like the night before. So we we take off, and Tim kind of, Tim knows all this, like, like, cattle trails, you know, to like. Shortcuts. Shortcuts, so that we're not, like, going up over ridge lines and just killing ourselves. So we go kind of out around, but, like, you're still climbing up this ridge. And Tim and April in front, then me, then Ty. And Ty's, like, you know, bringing up the rear with the, the camera. And we we come, no kidding, like, we come around to the saddle that we're getting ready to go up over the top and then, like, just shoot straight out the ridge line. And I hear elk. And, of course, I'm five foot two, the shortest girl in the group. And I'm, like, <laughs> you know, like, trying to see and... And Ty's like, there's a bull. And all I can see is, like, the back of April's head. (laughs) So I just, like, I just squat down. And I just load one in the chamber. And I've got it sit. And and her and Tim are talking. I'm, like, just waiting to see what they do. I take my scope, like, cover off. And I all of a sudden, April turns around and goes, come shoot it. I'm, like, okay. (laughs) And Tim goes, third one from the top. And there was one bull like four four by four basically in this group and I pull up and I see him and of course like in true elk fashion the the cows just surround him you know and I'm still like excited and breathing heavy from like climbing up this ridge line it happened so it, it happened I mean, it so fast like, like we weren't ready like I was literally was like, like still elk. going with my trekking pole when they they were like elk and I couldn't even see so all of a sudden 
the cows kind of scatter and he starts to like walk up and Tim Cow calls and he just turns around broadside. And at this point, I finally like, I all I could think at this point, I was pulled up. I was just trying to get my breathing under control because I'm like, I'm not going to pull the trigger if I can't get my breathing under control. I have no rest. He's about 150 yards and Tim, he just turns sideways. The cows scatter and Tim goes, there's your shot. <laughs> 6.5 just drills him. He takes 10 steps, falls over, and that's the end of it. Well, at this point, I'm in shock because, you know, it's been like this five-year journey. Like, oh, my gosh. What over in about happened? three minutes. Over in like three <laughs> minutes. I can't even. And I hear Tim go, we have to go. Yeah, I'm like wanting to like yeah. celebrate. Yeah, she's like ready to like hug me and like and so she comes back and Ty's got the whole thing on video and we're literally like, we like drag like high fives. Like it's the most ridiculous. On the run, like, like high fives. I said, just go. Just go. <laughs> you I saw you were like I'm like crying. I'm like, just go, like, it's I so amazing. <laughs> so ridiculous. And they take off and after you guys left, about twenty minutes later. We were, like, field dressing and heard, like, two shots, but happened to not be you guys. Yeah, it wasn't me at all. And then, like, another, you guys shot, like, and you shot your bull, like, an hour later. But you need to, I don't I don't know the details between that that point. <laughs> After our drive-by high fives. After our, our T-Rex <laughs> high fives. It, it's so bad. Like, we didn't even, like, high five. Yeah, I don't was, think like, we ever we totally connected. mixed. <laughs> I can't wait to see the film on yeah, that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> So we did. I mean, Tim was like, we got to go. Because we didn't know if those those bulls had fed up the, the uh, ridge at all. And maybe had hurt her shots. So we're like, we just got to get out into the open where we can see. So we take off and we totally leave Amy and Ty, which is actually really hard to do. I'm like, I wanted to be there and experience it with you. But I mean, I also wanted to kill a bull. So <laughs> we take off. And I don't know, we didn't go very far. We kind of just crossed it through that saddle and dropped down um, one of the ridges on the other side. And uh, there was a like a north facing hillside that was dark and still covered in snow, and we're like, maybe we should just throw some glass up and and look this over real quick. And so I, I pulled up my binos and immediately saw way up high in the canyon um, just a lone young bull bedded down under the tree. And so I, I told Tim, I was like, hey, there's there's one up there. Let's let's take another look at this hillside. We didn't expect to see elk on it because it was just again, it was one of those like dark cold, you know, not where elk should be. They should be out feeding in the sunshine. But so we start glassing and um, we pick up a cow here, a cow there. And pretty soon we picked up like 30 cows and a couple of bulls. But um, we really couldn't see all that well because we were looking directly into the, the rising sun. And so it was like we couldn't tell how big they were. Um, and we were we ranged it. It was like a thousand fifty yards, nowhere to set up for a shot. So we we're like, well, let's Let's keep going after the bulls we were heading in after and at least see if we can lay eyes on them, figure out where they're at, and then make a decision. And so we kept working our way down. And um, we had actually, Tim's dad and Gage, our son, happened to be out on um, one of the adjacent ridges. And they had gotten out to where they could look back up on the, the ridge that we were on. And they called us on the radio and they were like, hey, those bulls you were going after, they dropped down low. And so we were like, well... If we're going to drop off the ridge top low, we'd rather do it, you know, upstream rather than downstream. So we hiked back to the herd that we had just left, and we were able to come in a little bit lower on them. And Belly crawled up to a finger ridge that was kind of paralleling that um, that hillside with the herd. And 
um, took a range on him. It was like 744 yards. Um, and Tim pulled up and he's like, yeah, I think that's a shooter bull. And I'm taking my pack off um, to try and get set up for a shot because it was so steep. It was one of those ridges that, you know, drop away um, on all sides. So I was kind of just teetering up there on this like berm. So I've got my pack there and I'm trying to get my, my rifle stable on my pack to see if I can make this shot. And I just couldn't get stable. I mean, so I'm grabbing like chunks off of Tim's pack and I'm grabbing like water bottles and bino harnesses and trying to stabilize the, my, um, my pack so I can try and take a shot. And um, I don't know, that seemed, it took like 10 minutes at, at this point. The bull is bugling, he's raking a tree, he's totally preoccupied. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna take my time, see if I can make this happen. So I, um, I get somewhat stable. But then I realized that I'm so far off level, because uh, at those long range shots, if you're not, if your rifle's not canted level, it'll really impact your, your point of impact downrange. And, um, and to get level, I totally had to reshift everything, um, set up my, my stable platform with my packs again. Probably took, I don't know, it felt like two hours. It was probably like 20 <laughs> minutes to try and get everything set up. And get to where I didn't have to hold my rifle canted. It was like, it was probably a 10 degree cant that I was trying to wedge my pack up. So I didn't have to hold that cant and that angle with, with my body and then potentially have a bobble. So um, got finally got to the point where I could have my rifle pretty stable at the cant that I needed. Um, but then I couldn't see. The sun was coming up over that, that ridge, and uh, it was a timbered ridge top. And so as the sun was rising, the light was changing angles the whole time. And so I'd, I'd look through my, my scope, and it'd be completely washed out with glare. And I'm like, I can't see anything. I mean, it looks like I'm looking into a fog bank. So then I shifted. I'm like, well, maybe I can see with my right eye. And actually, I could. <laughs> just It changed the angle enough that I was like, I could actually make this shot right-handed, but... Um, I don't practice long range right-handed and I just, I thought about it and I was like, no, you know, if I, if I'd been practicing a little bit and I felt more comfortable, like the muscle memory would kick in, I, I might've done it, but, uh, I just didn't feel ethical to me. So went back to left and I, I just said, I'm just gonna have to be patient and wait this out. They're not going anywhere. The light will change eventually and it'll come together. And I don't know, I'm not very patient. I actually, uh, blew an opportunity last year at killing a bull because I wasn't patient. And so I was like, dang it, I am not going to make the same mistake this year. And I don't know how long we waited. Again, it, it seemed like an eternity. But finally, stars aligned. I could see clearly. I went ahead and shot. And I didn't even let Tim know. And normally at long range, you know, I'll let him know I'm going to make the shot because I want him to spot for me. But it happened so quickly. I was like, I don't want to lose this light. So I shot and I, I felt him like jump beside me. And, and I hear him say, oh, you got him. And I was, I couldn't see anything. Um, my scope had completely filled with like steam from the cold air. And so I, I lifted my head up over my scope and I just see this bull sliding down the snowy hillside to the bottom. And it was like a bull pinball machine. I mean, he'd hit a tree, he'd shift, he'd hit a rock, roll the other direction, all the way down to the bottom. And uh, he went into a timber patch, timber patch at the bottom of the draw and we kind of heard some crashing around and then it just went silent. And Tim was like, babe, you hit him good. But um, but when he went into that timber patch, she said it, it looked like he had tried to use his front legs. He goes, I don't think he's dead. 
So we just sat there and just listened. And actually, the the cows that had been with your bull happened to be like right below us in a timber patch, maybe 200 yards away. And they busted out of there, scared the crap out of me. I mean, they took off tearing through the rocks. Um, but nothing came out of that timber patch. So we're like, well, I mean, he's he's either dead or he's he's, you know, wounded badly enough that he's not getting up. But we weren't really sure we wanted to to just go chasing in there blind and maybe jump them and, and have them, you know, take off and not get a shot at opportunity if the shot um, wasn't great on that first one. It felt good, but you just never know. Um, and so now that we didn't have to worry about uh, being seen, we were able to cross a couple shallow draws and get out onto a point where we could see down into that timber patch. And I, sure enough, I mean, we could see my bull, but all I could see was just like belly. Um, we couldn't see hindquarters. We couldn't see shoulders. We couldn't see head. So I didn't know which end was, was which. And I could see where he'd been shot. You could see the, the entrance wound and you could see blood. So I'm like, all right, he, he's obviously hit. It looks like it's a good shot, but um, I don't know. I was, we were being super cautious because last year I'd shot a bull and um, actually just directly across from where Amy had shot hers on the adjacent ridge. And, um, and we kind of charged in after him and didn't didn't proceed cautiously, and it turns out I'd hit him and shot him in the antler, and so jumped him, and he ran off, and there was not a bullet wound on him, and I was just like, what the heck? She TKO'd him. <laughs> I wrung his clock. Unfortunately, he got up and ran off, and we just didn't know what had happened, so I'm like, I am not making that mistake again this year, I and mean, I've never had that happen, but so we decided that Tim would cross the canyon first. Um you know, I didn't, I really did not want to take a shot without knowing which end was which because I didn't want to gut shoot him. If he was dead or not, you know, you don't want to mm-hmm. disrupt that, those guts if you don't have to. So Tim um, started heading out and he was going to cross the canyon and get up to where he could at least glass for me and maybe lay eyes on him, tell me if he's dead or not. And if he wasn't, where I needed to place my shot. So he did that. I got set up. I ranged and, and got dialed and just got ready and, and waited for him to cross. And um, uh, How far were you at this point? I was 525 yards. Uh, super steep, though. So it took a long time for Tim to work down and work his way up the, the point. And so I'm, I'm watching my binos, and I'm, I'm laying prone. Um, so if I need to take a follow-up shot, I can. And I, I see Tim kind of come into view, and I see the bull. And, um, and I, I just see like what appears to be movement on that, that belly. And I'm, I get on the radio and I'm like, stop moving, stop, you know, whisper yelling in the radio, like, don't go any closer. And I see him back out and he's like, heads toward me, take another shot. So I wait for Tim to get, you know, safely out of range and I shoot him again and Tim takes a peek and he's like, all right, you know, he's done. So at this point now, I just need to cross over and, and join him up on the other side of the ridge, which sounds really easy in theory. <laughs> Until turns you out, there. <laughs> turns out it wasn't. Um, it was so steep. You know, it's one of those descents down where you, it's almost like climbing a ladder down. It's like you're dropping a foot at a time, and it's rocky, and there's there's just nothing to, to you know, get any stable footing on. So I was like, I'll just side hill around and get into that draw where it's, you know, it's less steep. A little brushy, I thought. It should be no problem. Well, it was so, so brushy. I'm just fighting my way through it. But I'm like, this has got to be better than, you know, climbing down that steep face. Well, unbeknownst to me, that draw just kind of slowly bends and bends and bends and bends and bends and keeps going. You know, and I crossed in pretty high. 
And so I, I thought I'd have to walk down that draw a little ways, but um, then I was like, I'm sure I'll catch Tim's tracks in the snow. <laughs> and I'm hiking and he's on the radio and he's like, are you doing okay, babe? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'll be there in a few minutes. And like 10 minutes goes by and he's like, babe, are, where are you at? I'm like, I'm sure I'll be there soon. And and Ty and I are listening <laughs> to this whole thing unfold while we sit by our fire. Because <laughs> our deer is, or our elk is already like processed and ready for the mules. Yeah. Pretty soon I'm like, I come in, I this end of a different draw comes into view and I was like, Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I call him on the radio and I was like, should I be looking at my I, I named the ridge? And he was like, Oh my gosh, no, you are way too low. I mean, I had just fought my way through like this windblown crap hole. And I'm like, now I have to go back up that before I climb the ridge to get to that bull. I mean, I and I don't know what it is. When I kill a bull, it only happens with bulls. I have the worst adrenaline crash known to man. Like an hour later, like clockwork. I get physically sick, um, I get weak, I get jelly-legged. I mean, I'm, I'm just a wreck. So here I am in the bottom of this draw. I'm not really sure now at this point where I'm supposed to be going. And I'm just sick and weak as can be. And I've got to fight my way back up this draw. So I'm like, all right, I strip off my base layers, get dressed again. I'm like, all right, I, I can do this. And Tim's on the radio and he's like, Hey, babe, if you hurry, I'll have some warm biscuits and gravy for you. And coffee. And I'm sure he thought it was encouraging, but I was so far away from warm biscuits and gravy, I couldn't even respond. I was just like, a, you know, tear trickles down I, my cheek. I wish you guys could have heard the conversation. It was like being on the other end of a phone conversation. Because when she realized how far away she had gone, like, just the utter defeat... But, like, she was not letting it get to her. Like, she was just Oh, I knew like, you guys were listening. Yeah, she was... <laughs> like, she, I gotta remake, she was just like, keep my composure. She's like, oh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can do this. And so I was trying to send her, like, words of encouragement because I had, like, talked to my daughters and they had said some really cute things about mom's elk harvest. <laughs> and I would tell her and she'd go... That's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep them coming. (laughs) Yeah. And Tim goes, if you hurry, the biscuits and gravy won't be cold. And Ty and I just started laughing because he's like, I would have never made biscuits and gravy without you. (laughs) (laughs) Just let it be known. Just let it be known. I would have waited for you. (laughs) Yeah, finally, he's like, babe, do you want me to go ahead and start breaking down this bowl or do you want me to wait? And I was like, no, please just get started. <laughs> I'll be there someday. I don't know how long it took. Someday. It was. <laughs> well, and then I, I finally get through the brush. Well, actually, at one point I was like, just holler out, you know, just so I can hear if I'm in any range of him. And I hear him so far up the canyon. I was like, oh my gosh, like I have so much further to go. <laughs> okay, I heard you, babe, and just kept hiking. And we did that a couple more times. And finally, I got to where I was right below him. And, man, at this point, I am just whooped. Just, again, that adrenaline crash kicks my butt. And so I'm like, all right, now i got to climb this steep-ass point. It's, like, melted snow. It's rocky. It's brushy. And I didn't even care. I'm, like, grabbing sticker bushes just to pull myself up through the brush. And, um... And, it, and, you know, at times I'm like, all right, I'm going to go three steps. If I can go three steps, I'll have a break, catch my breath for a couple seconds. Three more steps, and I just work my way up the point. And Tim's really sweet. He came down, and at one point I, I just got brushed out. I could not get through the brush. And so he's like, 
hold your trekking pole up and I'll just pull you through the brush. (laughs) Yeah, he just drug me up with the trekking pole and he had already gotten um, almost half the bowl quartered at this point. We just had to take, um, you know, the the ham off. And he's like, you just sit here by the fire. Of course, he had a fire going and I made some coffee with my jet boil and ate some cold biscuits and gravy. And (laughs) I sat there for about 20 minutes. Oh, and I lost two coats while I was out there. We found me one of them. Lost... Yeah. And I found your trekking pole. You did. I totally dropped my trekking pole when you shot. She got so excited when we did the T-Rex high five, she left her trekking pole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just finished quartering them up, and uh, we took the head out that night. Um, We had to find our way up that point and then hike on out. But We knew it was nasty because after we got our bowl, like, ready to go, Ty's like, We'll come help you. Oh, yeah, and we were like, like, don't. Don't come in here. Save yourself. Save yourself. <laughs> don't. Ty's like, no, I got this. And Tim's like, no. No. Well, we thought there was a trail that was open. We're like, if there's a trail, it'd be pretty easy going, and then you guys could just hike the point with us. But the trail was not open. I mean, it was just a nasty hole. So we're like, <laughs> literally, save yourself. Save yourself. Stay up top. So you and Tim packed the whole bull out yourselves. No, we took the head out and we left the quarters there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it took three days to get that bowl out. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So. so the next day, a team of guys went in and got the elk to, where the to a place where the horses could get to them. And it literally took all day. Wow. Yeah. And then the next day, the horses and mules came in and got them out. Like, mine was a one-day pack, but... It was just because it happened to be right on the cattle trail. Wow, yeah. But, like, on, I mean, that that unit in general is just yeah. nasty. Yeah. It's mean. It's usually a three-day turnaround. Yeah. I've only killed one bull over there where we've been able to get it out the same day. And we were like, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. They said at least if we get one bull a season that we can get out the same day. I'm yeah. like, well, it was mine. <laughs> and you know it's a good season when the 4 by 4 is the smallest bull in camp. Yeah. For like, we did have it. We had the four by four and then four six points. Four six points. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. It was a good year. It was a really That's good awesome. year. <laughs> so, how does it feel to have the monkey off your back now? You going back to archery next year or are you going to rifle hunt it again? <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny because when I worked for Bowtech, I just, there was just always this thing like I just felt like I needed to be archery hunting. And now Ty and I have talked about it and we just, we just want to hunt for the adventure. Mm-hmm. So we're actually talking about doing some muzzleloader hunts, mm-hmm. archery hunts. Like, it's really, really, really super hard for me to give up my late season archery blacktail. Because that's, like, like just thing that I would look forward to every year. But I think we're just going to just try new things because we can. Mm-hmm. You know, like, life is... Life is too short. It should be filled with adventures and... Lots of hunting. Lots of hunting. <laughs> yeah. I, I did a muzzleloader um, elk hunt in Idaho before I left, before I moved to Oregon. I had so much fun. Like, and it was traditional muzzleloader. So, of course, when you unload your muzzleloader at the end of the day, you get to blow a giant hole in something. Because you have to, like, shoot it to unload it. So I blew, like, a like a golf ball size hole in a tree and I'm like that is so cool I've got to do more of this so we're just gonna just try every which way that we can to like have adventures and hunt and I mean I will for sure go back to archery 
elk hunting at, at some point, but it's got to be the right adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's got to be the right time. Mm-hmm. We had so much fun. And it wasn't so much the killing as much as it was the camaraderie and like the good times that led up to and before, like to and after. So. And there was something about the rapport of a rifle across the canyon. <laughs> That's the one thing I miss about arch, about rifle hunting, being an archer, is the sound of a rifle on opening morning. Just wondering, was it was it one of ours or you know I I do miss I love to hear a rifle. Well, and before I met April, I was I tried to rifle hunt like I bow hunt, <laughs> like I sighted in two hundred yards. So I will sneak in to 200 yards. I will not shoot beyond that because that's my range, you know. And so after I met April, she took me out there. She's got her 300 win mag and she's like, all right, this is dialed into about five. I don't even remember what it was, like 565 or something. She's like, see if you can hit that. And of course I shoot and I hit and I'm like, holy smokes like that's the coolest feeling ever like and like we just like send it okay so I was like okay so this is my new like thing like I want to be really really proficient with rifles and understand long range hunting like April does and so that's part of my like new adventures and it's just you know do whatever makes you happy if you can be and stay a student of hunting Forever. I mean, it's yeah. it's always unpredictable. There's always so many different things, but like, the more avenues, the more ways you can be proficient in it, like that, like that is where like the holy grail of hunting, yeah, right? Yeah. If you can do it every which way and be proficient and speak all the languages, yeah, yeah. that's where it's at. Well, for her to take a seven hundred and fifty yard shot and <laughs> just make an incredible shot in a bull, like. That's skill, like, you know, that's as much skill as our 55-yard or 20, you know, on a a bull or, you know, like, that's really cool. That's That's amazing. Like I said, that's why I'm a bow hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Super cool. I love it. That's such a great story. And opening morning for both of you. Opening morning double. And Amy is actually the first female I've ever big game hunted with. And I was, oh. I was actually a little bit nervous. Like, I don't know what to expect. Like, I don't know. You know, you always have those apprehensions. Like, what if we just don't jive when we're, we're big game hunting? And there's so much on the line. Like, it's elk. Like, this is what I live for all year long. And it was so much fun, though. I mean, it was could not have been a better, better time. Well, so. I feel like we, like, tiptoed into this relationship, too. Because, like, we started <laughs> with, like, Maybe we should go shooting together and see how that goes. It, it was very it was much almost like, like dating. Yeah, like, like first dates. You know, like maybe, maybe like we met at a garage sale. It's kind of awkward, you know. Like we we honestly got along, but like let's see where this goes. Like let's try shooting together. And I remember she like set up her gun for me, and she's like, "Okay, well, we'll just see what you can do." And I remember I hit the target, and the look on her face was like, "Oh." We we could be friends. We could be friends. You <laughs> you hit the target, and, and Tim's eyes were like, "Oh, okay," you know. And Ty's like, "Told you." <laughs> <laughs> so we we very much like eased into the friendship and like you know like nursed it like very much like a dating relationship. Well, it's so hard to hunt with somebody new, 
Like, it is. sounds, smells, tactics, morals, ethics, all of it. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to like you after this. But, <laughs> <laughs> let's see if we want a second date first. Well, it's not very often that, like, the women and the men, like, just totally get along, hit mm-hmm. it off. Like, and our husbands, like, immediately became <laughs> friends. And, like, April and I immediately became friends. And our kids even like each our other. Our kids even like each other. <laughs> and, like, it's, that's just very, like, rare. And honestly, to like, if, I, if I'm truthful about it, like, there were times when I actually prayed for it. Because when I worked in television news... Obviously, that's that's an industry that's that's kind of um, more liberal leaning. Most of my friends were very much more Hollywood than outdoorsy, and so like I have a lot of amazing friends, but I don't have a lot of outdoor yeah. girls. Yeah, and so I feel super fortunate that I've come to back to this area. I've got Chrissy that I met through Botech. I got you that I met through Botech, and. We should have met through Botech, but met through a garage sale. And, you know, it's a much better story. It's, 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 it's all good times, you know. So, I mean, I, I feel very blessed to have the friends that I do. That's so awesome. I love that story. Well, I hope that you guys loved this part two of the Women in the Outdoors. And listening back... In editing these pieces, I've definitely smiled several times just thinking about what a blessing it is to find the ladies that understand how you work. And although we might do things different than men do in the outdoors, we do things very similar to each other. So it's great to just be able to connect and share stories and feelings and and ups and downs, failures and successes, and know that these other women who we've been able to bond with are such a huge piece of being able to share that with other women who will understand how we feel. I know I've said it several times, but I have had the blessing of meeting so many amazing women, men and women this year, but just getting to really connect and find that common ground with other women has been a true blessing in my life. I hope that you have some of those as well. And of course, please be sure to reach out to all the girls that were in this podcast, Amy Hartwig, April Cooper, and Chrissy Haynox. I will link to them in show notes so that you can also connect with them online, reach out, follow them, and see what they've got going on. I hope that this inspired you, and I hope that this gives you opportunity to look at the blessings you have in your life and to give some extra thanks today. Speaking of thanks, I want to take a second to read another listener review. Again, this one is coming from Apple iTunes, and it's from Tana Grenda, who was recently on the show, and I've got to start building a relationship with over the last couple of months. This woman has been a huge inspiration to me, not just in what she does, but how she does it and the mindset approach that she takes into daily life, you know, good times and and struggles included. This uh, is called Inspiring Women. She says, in this day and age, it's so easy to find women who are tearing others down or letting negative life struggles get in the way of their success. Courtney does an amazing job at bringing in thought-provoking stories and questions to inspire women everywhere to push forward and never give up. If you're looking for an uplifting podcast with lots of knowledge and insight and one that is all about supporting others succeeding, look no further than this one. That review speaks volumes to me and it it's a it's a it's an affirmation that what goes out in the show with guests and with the topics that we create and the questions that are sent in by listeners 
that we're reaching the right women. We're reaching the right people who need to hear these inspiring messages. And I can't agree more. There is so much in our society, in our communities, as far as tearing others down or judging others or comparing ourselves to where somebody else is at. And this is just a reminder for you today to live with love, to be encouraging, to be inspiring, to feel inspired and to live a life that you're truly passionate about. Thank you so much for being a part of this with me. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration, some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.